Welcome to Revolution Podcast, a place where we discuss the Bible, culture, faith, and why it matters for you. I'm Quinn, and this is my co-host, Chase. And if you're looking for a podcast that explores the revolutionizing power of Christ in your life, then this is the show for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the wonderful world of Revolution Podcast. We are here. Guess who is across the table from me? Quinn Goosen. Quinn Goosen, the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend. Quinn, how are you today? I'm good. You've well, had a long day of work, hadn't you? Yeah. Guys, but, guess how many hours Quinn worked today? Oh, Wrong. Quinn, how many did you get? How many did you work? About 10. About 10 hours. Guess how many hours I worked today? How many, Chase? Exactly. Like, like, okay. Imagine zero, mm-hmm. then add 10 to it, then subtract two, and then subtract eight. And that is exactly how many hours I worked today. And it was lovely. I, I regret none of those worked hours. Uh, they were all very, very productive working hours, and I'm happy with everything that happened. So That's amazing. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Quinn, you mentioned to me you were reading a book today. What book were you reading? Was that today or were you reading it yesterday or something? Was it the book like? When we were talking, like the one with like the eagle and, oh, and all that. Oh, yeah, so, like, yeah, what, like, right. Just, I, just, just kind of preamble stuff. Like, what book are you reading? Right. I was, oh man, it was called The Road Trip That Changed the World. Wow. Cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. I was reading Knowing God Today. Jay mm. Packer, I started it. Phenomenal so far. I love him. And then I started a Terry Pratchett novel um, called Small Gods, uh, which made me laugh multiple times. Uh, if you guys know Terry Pratchett or Discworld, phenomenal check it out it's good stuff okay um anyways uh we've got an episode planned today surprise surprise i know we didn't just turn on the microphones we actually put some thought into stuff sometimes apparently so Quinn, what are are we doing today we are looking at spiritual disciplines Mm. and we're looking at some spiritual disciplines that you might be neglecting yourself and that i probably am neglecting as well welcome to the club uh and the neglecting spiritual disciplines club i started you can pay your uh, membership fee anytime you feel like it is ten dollars a month uh no (laughs) yeah spiritual like and yeah and the the thing about spiritual disciplines like it's like they're like important ones too right Mm -hmm. like these are vital things that unfortunately um are so easy to neglect in our lives either because they're not talked about or because um we're afraid of legalism, I think is something that can come in, Mm -hmm. which isn't a bad thing necessarily. Like legalism isn't good, but we can go so far the other way where we don't want to enforce anything on people. Um, And yeah, I I know we're free from the law, but spiritual disciplines, and maybe, and actually we're going to get into this because we first want to talk about like why, like why, um, why are we talking about spiritual disciplines? Why do they matter? What do we mean? Um, And so, we're going to get into that because spiritual disciplines isn't like isn't this um, strict law that's on you. It, they're they are these practices that actually bring you closer to God, that make mm-hmm. your relationship with Him more intimate, that that um, cause you to know and love Him more. And so the reason you know it's okay to be strict about stuff like that is like you're forfeiting that if you give them up, and that that leads to a worse life for you and all the people around you. And so I mean. I I don't I don't I think it's okay to be a little bit a little bit strict about stuff like that and that's why you call it a discipline. Mm-hmm. Um but anyways, why spiritual disciplines, Quinn? Yeah, I think spiritual disciplines they're I mean, you hit on it hit on it already. Um but as we practice these spiritual disciplines, it leads to spiritual maturity and as we yeah. lead as we grow in spiritual maturity, we get to know God. Yeah. And as we get to know God, we get to and as we read our Bible, as we pray, and as we um, fast, evangelize. All, all the things we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, we get to, we slowly become more like God yeah. as, as much as we can as humans. Yeah. Um, and First Timothy 4, 8, it talks about this. Yeah. Um, but why we're supposed to practice these spiritual disciplines. And it says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, yeah. It, uh, that idea of like holding promise for this life and the life to come. Something that sometimes people can say, not just in um, spiritual disciplines, but I, th- I would say lots of the ones we're going to be talking about, but also... Um, like, uh, I mean, it's the ones where like we're not talking about prayer today, sadly, um, and the, the and worship and uh, a few different things like that. But in every spiritual discipline, an objection that can come up is um, like, I don't have time, or like, why does it even matter? 
um, because we're like, well, it's, it, you know, we might say, well, it's going to matter for heaven and our relationship with God. And it's like, well, if I get to heaven, like, I'm sure I'm fine anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like that Timothy points out, like, it has promise for this life too. Um, but also the fact that it has promise for the life to come should push us much, much mm-hmm. more towards practicing spiritual disciplines. Um, in any relationship, you, you need to have these touchstones, right? Um, like, if we take the example of a marriage, me being a single uh, teenager who is never married in his life, I know exactly what I'm talking about. So all you married people, listen up. The marriage counselor is back in session. Sit down across my desk and we're going to talk. No. Um, but in a marriage, you, you, um, you, can, you can say, well, I, I want our romance to be spontaneous and just to happen. And so we're going to have dates when we're able. Like it's just going to off the cuff sort of a thing, right? Like, you know, at 6 p.m. one night, I'm going to be like, honey, change into something nice. We're going out. And it'll be just, it'll just sweep her off her feet and it'll be a glorious evening. It's like, okay, okay, like Casablanca, calm down. Um, but also that rarely ever works, right? Like life gets in the way, work, kids, friends, obligations, all these different things will get in the way of stuff like that. And so in order to actually have um, romance in a marriage, you want to plan stuff like that, right? Um, you plan stuff like that out. You create these structures. Um, every single Tuesday from six to nine, we're going to go out on a date. And you keep that for thir- like 30, 40, 50 years in your marriage. Um, and so in, and I would say we can draw the comparison back to our um, relationship with God where um, we might say, well, you know, I, I don't want spiritual disciplines because I don't want my relationship with God to be rigid. I want it to be natural and intimate and all that. And that's good. But if you don't have these, um, what would you say? We would say disciplines that create the structure. There's nothing for that, um, um, the, the flow of the relationship in which to flourish, right? Like th- those emotions that the flow of that relationship comes within the structure you create. Mm-hmm. And so it's very, very important to not only create those structures, but guard them viciously. And then um, the relationship grows within that. That's what I would say anyways. Yeah. 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 I think I think that's really solid. Um, and yeah, I guess we should maybe jump into our first let's jump into um, our first discipline Quinn you, you came up with this one what what what, what uh, discipline are people neglecting out there yeah I think we neglect celebration and this isn't like how do I it's not like celebrating after you win a basketball tournament sure um sure. what are we celebrating although you should celebrate uh, uh, every um, time without fail yeah yeah but I think we want to celebrate in what God has given us. Mm. Celebrate and rejoice, right? Mm. Yeah. Philippians uh, talks about rejoicing and yeah. have this joy that uh, we've been given this day yeah. and for the many blessings that God has given us, even yeah. if we can't see them. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, celebrating in, um, yeah, just even in the day, the, his, just the sun. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's in his creation. No, that's good. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's beautiful. Um, man, celebration. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna flip. Do you have the Do you have the Gospel of Luke there? Let me see if I can get there. Luke. It's a race. Chapter 15. It's a race. <gasps> sword drill. Sword drill. I've oh. got it. Oh, I got it. I got it. Okay. Let me position this properly in front of the microphone. Um. Okay, so uh, we're, this is from the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, if you know it, then you know it. If you don't, um, basically this uh, son was living with his father, and then he asked for his inheritance before his father passed away, and he took that money, went and lived a degenerate's life, and ended up in a very, very bad spot in a city far away. And he came crawling back to his father, utterly ashamed. Um and then his father, uh, he, so he comes back to his father's house. His father runs out to greet him and he calls his, the father calls his servants in and uh, asks them to start bringing these things for him. Bring the best robe, get a ring for his hand and these good shoes for his feet. And then uh, I'll read verses 23 and 24. It says, and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. 
Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a few levels of celebration, like you talked about, right? Like let's celebrate God and the amazing things he's done, right? Like when you read the Psalms and um, the poetry of joy, they, they always refer to the Lord as the God of Jacob, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, because they're recalling to the wonderful things God did in the lives of those patriarchs. And they're saying that God who is faithful then has been faithful to me now, I can rejoice all the more. That's one level of celebration. Another one is when people come to the Lord mm-hmm. on their knees, let's celebrate with them. I remember when I when I came to Christ, um, the, the 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 in some cases the people who celebrated with me most at that time are the ones I still have really good relationships with now, right? Because they genuinely care, they're joyful, right? Um, the Bible talks about how the angels of heaven rejoice when one sheep is brought back to the fold of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so like. When God does miracles in the lives of an unbeliever by bringing them to him, that is something to rejoice about. Go chase after those people, celebrate with them. Yeah, you want yeah. to jump in. I And I also love, that's like why I love watching baptisms. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Like when someone gets baptized, they they get dunked and they they come back. It's one, it's an incredible- A holy dunking if there ever was one. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Um, it's an incredible representation of them dying to sin, yeah. coming to life. But yeah. I think also as a congregation, when, when we see that, we clap. We don't no. just clap just because no. we clap because we're celebrating. We're like, yeah, this beautiful. person is now on fire for God. They, yeah. they want to live their life in a different way and we're behind them in Absolutely. that. And we celebrate that, yeah. that they have found this joy. Yeah, that's so good. Um, I feel like there's might've been another thing I was gonna say about that. But I mean, like we keep talking about celebration and joy, right? And I think those two things are linked. Um, and something I th- we were talking about earlier, Quinn, is that um, any spiritual discipline, including all the ones we're talking about, if, if we drain those of joy and that joy comes through celebration, if we drain our relationship with God of joy, what are we doing, mm-hmm. right? Like, like God wants, like Jesus said, I've done these things. I've said these things so that your joy may be full, right? God wants us, like the psalmist, my cup overflows, right? Like God wants us to be filled to the brim. In fact, overflowing with joy. And if we just drain ourselves of that, we're like, we're, we're like some of the Pharisees who were, they, they had the structures right, but the relationship wasn't happening inside mm-hmm. of that. So creating specific times to celebrate, um, engaging in conversations and asking about the good things God has done in the lives of uh, fellow believers, your brothers and sisters around you, and then actively celebrating and remembering those things just creates this joy in the remembrance of the faithfulness of God. And that ties back to the reason of spiritual disciplines. It, it um, creates this um, area where like, we have known God right? Mm-hmm. Like I look back and I see this monument I erect, like uh, the Israelites, they erected monuments to God on the banks of the Jordan so they could remember his faithfulness to them. And you look back and you remember these things and like, oh, I serve a faithful God. And it's this meditation on the attributes of God. And you're like, and uh, this knowledge of God leads to a joy. And so you realize that this intellectual knowing of God leads to a relational knowing of him, which is like the greatest thing in your life. And so all of it wraps up together. Um, and yeah, celebration is just like the cornerstone of that in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think with with celebration, it's also like with all of these spiritual disciplines, they're they they're all applicable, right? Yeah. yeah. But but how do we make those applicable? And celebration, it can it's an easy one to talk about, but it, yeah. but it can be hard to to like in, apply it in sure. a sense. How, how maybe? would you say, how would you say is the best way to go about um, applying it? I think if you if you want to talk about like thanking God for what he's done in your life. I, I think you can go about it in prayer. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think getting up and just being like, Lord, thank you for this new day. Yeah. Um, things like that. But I also think just celebrating with people when they come to Christ. Mm, yeah. I think just, just giving them a hug. Yeah. Just being being be like, intentional about it yeah. too. Yeah. Just, yeah. Be intentional in those relationships. Yeah. Um, Which leads kind of into our second discipline pretty well. Transition point, being intentional in relationships. Quinn, what is spiritual discipline? You are probably neglecting number dos. It is fellowship. Fellowship. What would you like to say about fellowship there? Yeah, fellowship, it's... It's meeting with a, a group of fellow believers to to share a meal, to talk about faith, talk about life, yeah. um, encourage each other, yeah. um, sometimes correct and just cry, laugh, whatever it is yeah. together to ultimately grow closer together and to know God. You, so you mentioned something at the beginning there in fellowship. Uh, you said sharing a meal together. Um, what 
is the significance of that? Like, why does that matter? Yeah, I <laughs> um, sharing a meal, man. I think there's something about when you when you come together and you share a meal together. It's you're sitting down not to just how do I phrase this? You're sitting down to um, not to just eat and run, mm-hmm. right? You're sitting down to look at the person next to you in the eye and be like, and just have a conversation with them. Sure. Um, I think. I mean. We, we've got a band and we would come over to my place and we would have uh, dinner together. Me, yeah. you, my brothers. Before our practices. Yeah. yeah, before practices. And man, there's so many conversations that can come up with yeah. that. Yeah. And there's so much good that can come out of fellowship when you just sit together and you're like, all right, I got a question about this. Mm-hmm. You can talk about it. Yeah. Um, it's like, hey, I've noticed you doing this really well. I mean, my my family's even done this. Like, hey, what is one thing you love about each other? And we sure. go around the table. So awkward. It, I, yeah. It's my least it favorite is, thing. Like, because I've I'm, never been present for that at your house, but I just know because I've been part of circles like that. And, so awkward. And I, it's, <laughs> I hate it. And it's yeah. like, because I sit next <laughs> to my mom and my youngest brother. Um, and it's like, he says something about me and it's like, all right, you got to say something about your mom. And it's the same joke every time. It's, right. What's there to say? No, Quinn. No. Oh, dear. So, man. Yeah, there's something about like eating food together that just opens up people, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it's almost like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to be weird, but like it's almost a spiritual thing where like you're receiving nourishment together. And it just, yeah, I don't know. It just opens up a new side of people and bonds people. I mean, Jesus would always, he would eat with his disciples on purpose. He would eat those people. <laughs> eat those people. Man, that's a sound bite. He would eat with those people he was ministering to. <laughs> Calm down, Quinn. He would eat with those people he's ministering to. A new teaching from Chase and Quinn Hall, a new doctrine to put Quinn in your Hall. system. Quinn, whoo, I am just absolutely losing my mind right now. It's really late right now when we're recording, guys. Um, oh, a new doctrine to put in your systematic theology books, those people whom Christ eats. We'll write a book about it. It'll be good. Bestseller. Make it happen, guys. <laughs> the, the reviews. I really liked in chapter three when he ate the, Sag- the Sadducee. It was just really great. I don't know. Um, I'm going to stop. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. Anyways, having a meal together, a great thing. Also, by the way, a good time to practice communion. Uh, mm-hmm. We can bring it back there, right? Like, uh, and that's obviously not like just a normal meal you're having, but the intentional, um, you read the scriptures, you remember Christ and his death and his resurrection and the passion, and you have you um, break bread together and you drink wine together. And um, yeah, there's something very special about communion that you can share with fellow believers. Um. There's a passage in Ecclesiastes that I wish I'd put a bookmark of some sort in so I could just flip to it very easily. Um, let me see here. Ecclesiastes 4. I'm in Ecclesiastes, and then I switched to Proverbs. Okay, let me read this. Ecclesiastes 4, starting in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So fellowship has these has this implication not just uh, for relationships with one another and um and we'll we'll get to our relationship with God but it has uh, strong ramifications for spiritual warfare right mm-hmm. like we are stronger together we are able to hold each other accountable to encourage each other like you said to correct and rebuke each other um and to pray together right? like pray prayer is a mighty mighty weapon mm-hmm. um and doing that together to be able to share the battles we're fighting and to fight them together um a threefold cord is not easily broken right we, we are stronger together i um, mean um, fellowship plays directly into spiritual warfare in that way um then there's a passage from hebrews 10 i don't know if you want to kind of just throwing that to you there um, oh Hebrews 10, 23 to 24, Hebrews, James, first and second, Peter. I'm crazy. So this is crazy. Quinn never learned the, um, the books of the Bible songs. Hebrews 10, what? Hebrews 10, 23 to 24. All right. Do you want to tell the story? No, it's okay. They were just drilled into my head when I was younger, right? Like we, oh. we would go to, do you know what Awanas is? No. We do Awanas camp like every single Tuesday evening. It's like this little Bible camp for like elementary school kids. And you had to memorize like Bible verses and also the books of the Bible song. Um, and so like the teachers would have like like pistols like aimed at our heads and like, say the song, say the song. And we'd have to say it. And so I just, I've, I'll never forget it. 
Huh. It's a joke. Anyways, read the passage. Okay. I was... Okay. Yeah. Uh, 1023? Yeah. And 24. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Also 25. Okay. Not neglecting to meet each other, to meet together, as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Mm. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, so that we may stir each other up to good works. Um, yeah, the image, like I told you earlier, Quinn, that's in my head is like just this hand that reaches down to a riverbed and stirs up the silt and the gravel and the rocks that are there. So then this muddy cloud springs up into the rest of the water. And so in gathering together, we stir each other up to good works. And you could say the living out of good works where um, your inward spiritual being, which is united to God, works outward so that you live more like Christ. That's a process in salvation that we'd call sanctification. Um, mm-hmm. And so if, if that is if, if we're stirred up to be sanctified by meeting together and sanctification is part of salvation, they, it's not hard. The connection makes itself very clear. A, a key part of salvation, the salvific work of the Holy Spirit is in fellowship. It is in mm-hmm. meeting together, um, being close, um, and all those things we've talked about, encouragement, rebuke, correction, um, mm, Again, and this ties back to celebration. Uh, um, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, spiritual growth happens through community. It is not an isolated project. Yeah. Um, you, a hand, like, you know, we're talking about the body of Christ. A hand that's cut off from the body is useless. It will not grow anymore. But a, a body that is healthy and uh, has all the limbs attached to it is going to work a whole lot better. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, anything and, you want to add quickly there? Yeah, I think something that a way to to kind of put this into practices. Yeah. Let let's say I don't I don't have a community that I that I have within my church. I think mm-hmm. something that um, can be really valuable is if you're in youth group, stick around and just even if it's not your personality, try and meet somebody. Yeah. Um, if you have a small group at your youth, in engage with your yeah. leaders with the people. If you're in young adults. If you have a young adults group at your church, yeah, go to it. Yeah. Um. If if you're out of that and there's not a ministry you can go to, stick around after church. Sure. Yeah. I think try to connect with people. Yeah. Try to connect with. I mean, try and join a life group. Yeah. Those those can be great for mm-hmm. building each other up. Yeah. I. Yeah. Invite other people. Like either like have meals as fellow believers. Like mm-hmm. gather together to read and the scriptures and pray together and encourage mm-hmm. one another. Right. Like um, stir each other up to good works. Ask each other what you can pray for. Ask mm-hmm. each other what battles they're fighting. Right. Um, just be intentional about relationship. I think yeah. that'd be it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we got oh one two third or third one. Our, third spiritual discipline that or, you are neglecting. Yes. And I am neglecting 100%. Oh, don't worry. I've only just uh, recently ceased the neglecting it. So okay. not and too bad. What is it? It's fasting. We want oh. to talk about fasting, uh, which neither of us have a ton of experience with. So we can't speak experientially about it. Um, I can speak how I haven't done it. Yeah, fair enough. I'll just say, uh, if you want to read about fasting, go uh, that Jesus, probably his clearest teaching on it is uh, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter six. I won't tell you the verse so that you have to read the entire chapter. Ha ha. Um, because or you that'll can be helpful. The header. Or you can look, you could, you know, Quinn, don't let them cheat. Just read the whole thing about like giving to the poor and the Lord's prayer and then also fasting. That's, and then the whole Bible. And then the whole, and then read the entire Bible. It's good stuff. Anyways, uh, Quinn, yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, fasting, we want to talk about fasting is not eating food, right? Right. But yeah. the the purpose of fasting is to go without food to then engage with the word of God and, yeah. and help your relationship with God. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, that's what all I'll I'll jump in. I'll jump yeah. in there. And don't you you'll you'll recharge. It's good. Yeah. Um fasting. So I've I uh, so there's a podcast um everybody should listen to. It's called Rule of Life. Rule of Life, I think, by John Mark Comer. Um and he's done a series on fasting in there. Um that's excellent. Um and um kind of got me into this practice. But one of the things they say on the podcast is that fasting 
makes your body aware of your soul's need for Christ, right? Because mm. when your body is made weak, um, that puts into perspective your the position of your soul before Jesus, right? Because you desperately need Jesus and that way you feel like you desperately need food. It also brings this mental and spiritual clarity to your body as you're reading the word of God, as you're praying. Um, in the Bible, by the way, prayer and fasting go together almost always. Um, people pray and they fast. Um, they show their limitation before God. And actually in the book of Esther, um, when the Jewish people are um, threatened with genocide, they just fast. Prayer isn't mentioned. Only fasting is mentioned, right? And so I think prayer is something that uh, is much more commonly talked about and taught how to do, um, but we don't teach people how to fast, right? Um, but fasting is, if you look in the Bible, um, just as common, I, mean, I, I haven't done an actual study of that, so don't don't quote me on this, but I, as far as I can remember from uh, my readings in the Old Testament, it is just as commonly talked about as prayer. Um, maybe the fasting process isn't detailed out as much as prayer. Like we have entire prayers that are, that are written down, but those are two very different things. So obviously maybe prayer is talked about more, but fasting is mentioned just as frequently, you could say. Um, and so, and, and then I think another thing we want to talk about, like you, you have, you hit this, uh, from the very beginning, fasting is not eating food. Um, uh, but fasting is not, and double negative here, fasting is not, not using social media. Um, fasting doesn't mean um, abstaining from coffee or sugar or these different things in our lives, right? Fasting in the Bible every time is specifically uh, refraining from eating food for spiritual purposes, right? Um, those other things, giving up social media, giving up, uh, like I, uh, for Lent this last year, we our church did um, abstaining from sleep, um, social media, sugar, coffee, um, TV, unnecessarily unnecessary spending, different things like that. That's uh, abstinence, and that's that's a good practice too, right? Mm -hmm. Abstaining from these different things, but fasting specifically, when the Bible talks about it, is giving up food, eating mm -hmm. food. Um, and so, yeah, just want to throw that out there. Um, fasting brings you into a closer relationship and dependency on God. And it's in realizing your dependence, dependency before him um, that you're humbled, um, that you come to understand his love better because you realize your weakness in a profound way. And it's, it's crazy that the all-powerful creator loves a weak creature like you. Um, but then just to make fasting practical, um, so something that I've started doing with one of my Bible study groups is that every Wednesday, uh, we fast from breakfast together, right? We don't eat until 1230 in the day. Um, and that's a very, very small practice. And then once a month, uh, we've also been um, fat doing a, an all day fast together. Um, very, very small baby steps. Uh, this is a spiritual discipline that all of us are growing in. It's very new to all of us. It's super new to me. Only started doing this uh, maybe a month ago at most. Um, but it's been powerful so far. Uh, it, it has changed the way I read my Bible in, in a lot of ways. Um, it, it, all those things I talked about before, I won't rehash them. Um, but if, if, you're like, if you're like, I would like to start fasting, but I don't know how, uh, I'd recommend just like start with one meal a day, once a week, like make it regular. Don't just do it when you feel like it because you're not, you're not ever gonna feel like it. But if you make it structured and you make it regular, like we talked about at the beginning, having these structures, then your relationship with God can flow through that. Anything you wanna add to the practical mm -hmm. side of things? Yeah, I think like like Chase, he, he mentioned a, a little bit ago, but don't fast just for the sake of fasting, mm -hmm. right? Don't just go without food to say, hey, I fasted for a day. Yeah. I mean, I I think I did during Lent, I did no lunch. Sure. And that was terrible because I got to school and I was hungry. Yeah, um, that'd be tough. But for me, I fasted for, call it 12 hours, just for the yeah. sake of fasting, right? Sure. Did I spend extra time in the word? No. Mm. Um, and, and, and I acknowledge that and sure. I'm like, all right, next time I do try and fast, yeah. it's with the intention of reading my Bible yeah. and prayer. Yeah. I think if you're, if you're just fasting for the sake of saying it's an achievement, yeah. um, yeah. you're yeah, going about it the wrong way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I went about it the wrong way. Mm. So, um, yeah. And it's through that, that you can recognize, Hey, this is how I want to do it better next time. Totally. Yeah. That's really good. 
Um, and the last thing, Jesus thought fasting was important, right? So we might think, well, I, you know, I, I'll just be happy with abstinence. I don't need to actually fast. Jesus clearly thought fasting was important. He fasted regularly. He taught about fasting. If like, if God the Son thinks fasting was an important practice while he was on earth, like who are we to say that we don't need to engage in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, next spiritual discipline, um, evangelism. Um, man, do you want to start us off on this one? Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, sure. I can start. Yeah. Um, I think we, we call it a spiritual discipline because oftentimes like fasting, it's like, oh, we'll, we'll get to evangelism. Very casual attitude about it. Um, but I mean, and I'm guilty of this. It's like, oh, I'll I'll get to it when I get to it, when, when the opportunity comes around. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but then God's like, all right, I'll give the opportunity. And then he, he plainly gives us the opportunity, like a open net in soccer kind of thing. Sure. What do we do every time? Oh, kick the ball over the net. hundred (laughs) percent. Stop to like lean down and pick the little, like, like honey clove stuff, like Mm -hmm. the little grass. Yeah. Mom, look what I found. Yeah. Focus on the soccer game, Chase. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm just reliving. Was that you too? Yeah, dude. I was, no, no, I didn't do that. Really? No. Well, maybe once or twice. I don't. I don't want to talk. About I used it. to just play soccer. Okay, okay. evangelism. Quick. Right. Evangelism. Okay, got it. All right, let's get back on track. Sorry. Oh man, I gotta stop using sports analogies. You're good. You're good. All right. Um, evangelism. Right. Regular part of our lives. Yes, it is, or it should be. It should be. Yeah. Um. And yeah, oftentimes when God gives us the opportunity to evangelize, we just we're like, oh, that that wasn't a good enough mm. opportunity. I, mm. I don't I don't want to do it right now. Yeah. Kind of thing. And that's I can say, oh, that's fine. Like I can say, oh yeah, that's fine. Like God's obviously gonna give you another opportunity. Yeah. But it's also like you have the opportunity to share the gospel with a non believer. Yeah. Um, and I think if we're and I again, I'm guilty of this, not trying to make this a habit. Mm. Um because there's times when God's given me an opportunity and I just blew it and been like, not right now. Yeah. Um, but I think if we try and make it a regular part of our lives, then as we do, it, it doesn't make it easier. Mm. Um, but we get to to see like, hey, God can actually work through me yeah. to, to reach this person. Yeah, I think the apostle Paul was like, uh, oh, I can't quote him exactly, sadly. I'm sorry, I'm working on memorizing Romans. We'll get there one day. Oh. It's like, how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? Mm-hmm. Right, like like you said, like that point of like you're speaking to an unbeliever, like you're sharing the gospel. How are they to believe in Jesus unless somebody tells them about it, right? Um, so evangelism, and evangelism absolutely is like uh, the waiter at the restaurant, um, you share the gospel with them. The person uh, in line with you at uh, Starbucks, you share the gospel with them. Like just those kind of random chance encounters that God opens up for you. Um, th- th- that is an important part of evangelism. Um, but I think r- the regular practice of, practice of evangelism in our lives should be sharing and showing the gospel, the, like preaching and demonstrating the gospel to unbelievers uh, whom we have relationship with. What is right. what does that mean? Because um, in my mind, that's yeah. like, some people might just look at that and be like, oh, I, I'm acting in a way that demonstrates the gospel. That's enough. Is that that doesn't that I don't think that's enough. Totally no. I th- I think it's part of it. Um, I th- I can't remember who said this, but like um, some somebody once said, always be evangelizing and sometimes use words, right, or something like that, um, which is a good sort of a good point like it hits on something i don't love it because um we are actually supposed to use our words yeah Uh, read the book of acts right like yes they lived out the gospel they also preached it and so i i would i would say preach and demonstrate the gospel to unbelievers and and uh, the important part is that people that you're in relationship right with right evangelism is relationship it is um inviting unbelievers into your home show them the love of christ they are they know we are um of christ by our love right Mm -hmm. yeah so evangelism prime i think the the primary way we should practice evangel evangelism regularly is um seeking to demonstrate the love of christ yes but also um verbally preaching the gospel to people um and and you have to have both, right? Because if, right. if you just preach the gospel and you don't live it out, 
people will you, like you're shaming Christ, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you're you're giving an empty gospel. You're giving words, but there's no reality behind it. And if you're just living a really good life, people aren't going to know how to get there themselves. But when when you live in a way that's unique from the world, that's different, that's separated, that that is loving no matter what. When you pray for your enemies instead of reviling them, when you um, stay out of gossip, when you um, use time off when you use weekends to go to church to engage um with the orphan and the widow when when you seek the interests of Christ first and you speak to the believers in whom uh, you have a relationship whether it's coworkers friends family members anybody uh, who is not a believer who you're in relationship with uh, with they will see that unique um part of your life that's why the bible calls us aliens we are citizens of heaven saints of god who do not belong on the earth they'll see that and then when you proclaim the gospel as well they'll say oh that's how you get there mm-hmm. that's that's what's missing from my life that's why our lives are different that's why I feel empty and unfulfilled because there is a God who I have rejected and hated who somehow has still loved me so much as a sinner that he sent his son to die for me. And all I need to do to become a child of his, to benefit from eternal life, to enter into a perfect relationship with him is to fall on my knees and say, Jesus, help me. Mm-hmm. Right? That's evangelism. Yeah. Um, and that is so easily missing from our lives. Yeah. Um, I don't want to hit too much on that because we still have two more to get through and I think we're running out of time. But is there anything else you want to say on evangelism? Yeah, and and we can just end with this um, for this piece. But I think when God presents an opportunity for you to um, share the gospel, Mm -hmm. that that also means on your part, taking a step out in faith. Yeah, absolutely. It means being like, Lord, I don't know how this conversation is going to go. I might have an idea in my head, but I'm going to trust you going into this. And um, yeah, just lean on him for the words yeah um because you might fumble your words like <laughs> you will fumble your right words. but sometimes there's there can be amazing things that come out of that yeah absolutely yeah I'll, uh, yeah jesus said when you stand before the courts i will give you the words to say right and sometimes you're like jesus i didn't say anything that's particularly good trust God that he's going to use that, right? Like no matter what you say, trust in the providence of God that that he will honor your act of faith and use it to accomplish his purposes. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's what I'll say about evangelism there. Um, what do we got next? I think we got Bible study. Right. Chase. Controversial topic. <laughs> not actually. No, not really. We both agree we should, we should study our Bibles. We were When we were talking about this episode, we were talking about um, the discipline of um biblical study and we i think we like i think we agreed we just had different kind of ways of putting at it and different emphases yeah i don't know if you want to kind of like like what like what do you mean like if you were to encourage somebody to take up the discipline of bible study um what would you encourage them to do how is this different from just reading my bible right i think i think we first need to look at how a lot of people just read their bible sure i mean you even mentioned and i read it like this too sometimes you just read it like like a regular book. Yeah. Right? You just read it. Yeah. You just you just read to read and um and sometimes you don't read to understand, right? Yeah. Sure. I mean, you should read to you, understand. You, you are any understanding, book. but it's a very like casual reading, mm-hmm. you could say. Yeah. yeah. And so I think a lot of I think sometimes well, when I say study your Bible, that might mean if let's say you have fifteen minutes mm-hmm. that you can read your Bible that you set aside sure. to read your Bible. I think that can mean that you take those fifteen minutes and you look at I don't even know, 20 verses, sure. if that. And you look at it and you can, um, yeah, you can look at cross-references and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think understanding the text as yeah. a whole, yeah. um, understanding how this relates to the gospel yeah. um, and how to live it out. I yeah. think I think those things are crazy important because, um, yeah, I think as you understand how it relates to the gospel, because the whole Bible relates back to the gospel. Yeah. Um, but then how do, how do you live it out? Mm-hmm. But to do that, you need to understand it. So I think sure. taking that time to to look at it, and sometimes, yes, sometimes you know, need to know some of the the traditions mm-hmm. of Jewish culture, whatever. Sure. Um, but I think taking time to really unpack the passage yeah. and then being like, how does this come back to the gospel? Yeah. And how does this relate to my life? Yeah, I think that's all fantastic. I just would take steroids before doing that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, Bible. So, so if I was to encourage somebody to like pick up the 
the discipline of regularly studying their Bible. Um, Because yes, sometimes you just have the casual reading. Um, There's a few levels to Bible Bible study, right? Um, There is like you read a chapter from the Gospel of Luke and you sit in it and you pray over it and maybe you read it three times. Um, But okay, so like if if I was to sit down to like study a passage, um, I should have written this down. I'm sorry, I I wasn't prepared for this, um, but this just came to me. Um, I can just walk through the process that I do. Like if I'm like if I'm engaging in this discipline, this is what I do. Um, I would have a study Bible with me. Um, invest in a study Bible. It doesn't need to be a fancy one, but maybe like one with cross references is a great place to start. And if you have like the money, uh, like save for like a like a what would you say? A little bit more of a high-end study Bible with like explanatory notes and different things. It is an investment that you will not regret for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, have a study Bible with cross-references. If you can't afford one, look one up online. There's plenty online with cross-references, so that's fine. Um, but essentially, you have your cross-references ready. You sit down with the Bible. Maybe if you're able, you print it off separately so you're not afraid of marking it up if you don't want to mark up your Bible too badly because uh, I can get a little bit extreme when I do that. I got um, a pen. I've got a notebook for writing down thoughts and stuff. And then I'll just sit with the passage and I'll maybe have a highlight or two. And I'll, I'll st- you start by praying and you ask God to reveal, you ask the Holy Spirit to come and reveal um, the meaning of these words to you and you get into it and you have your pen with you and you have your highlighter and you circle words that don't make sense and you underline sentences that you want to remember and you put quotations around these things that you want to memorize and you write questions uh, when questions come up to you and if uh, like apparent contradictions or things that don't make sense and you essentially just mark up the text as much as possible. You you um, have a conversation with it. You engage with it. You talk with the author. Um, re- like, yeah, like deep study like that should be a conversation between you in the text and you go through that once you set it aside you take a sip of water maybe go to the bathroom if you need to you come back you go through it again and you organize your questions and thoughts into that notebook you have with you or maybe just a separate piece of paper you organize the questions the words you don't understand and you go through it like that and then you have a you have a concordance next to you maybe or maybe you have a commentary and you open and uh, you, you can leave the commentary for later but you look for words that you want to understand better because the key to understanding each passage is to understand the words that are in them. And so maybe you are in a passage um, like 1 John 3.16 that mentions love. This is how we know what love is, that Christ Jesus laid down his life for us. And you're like, okay, I can get that. Um, but is this word, the specific word love that the Bible's using here, if this is what it is, this is the definition we're given, then where else is that used? And does that change the meaning of other passages that I've read? Because now that I know what love is, I can go back and when the Bible uses love in other places, then um, maybe I can um, read those passages differently. Or maybe the Bible defines love in another place too, which it's that, which um, in a way it does. God is love, right? And so, but to understand fully, you circle that word love, you jot it down in your notebook, then you get your concordance and you find that word love that's used in that passage. And then you look at all the other places that it's used and you write down those references. Then you go through them and you and you go through these big, important key words and you do that carefully. And um, then you get the, what would you say? The full picture of what the Bible means when it uses each of those words. And then you understand this passage in the rich context of the entire garden of the Bible, right? Um, Okay, now you've done that. And then you take your questions and uh, maybe you need to jot them down and save them for later. But maybe you've answered a few of them just looking at those other passages. Um, But you've got a list of questions that you can investigate now. And maybe that's a separate thing. But having questions about the Bible is the best place to be. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you have a commentary with you and you open that up and you read it and you see, Uh, the interpretation this person gives and you evaluate that against what you've seen so far. See if it raises new questions for you. See if it answers some of your questions. And then finally, once you've understood what the um, verse, you could just do this with one verse, literally, and it could take you an hour. Um, But you do this with one verse and then you say, now what does this mean for me? And then you apply it to your life and you list five ways that you can live it out that day. And you actually live it out that way, even if it's hard, even if you don't necessarily want to. You live out the words and these lessons that you've learned. You live them out in your life and they concrete themselves in your actions. 
and then you move to the next verse the next day and you do it again, right? And maybe you need to read the whole chapter to get the context before studying it. Um, the whole book, the whole Bible is a context for any verse. Um, uh, and you don't need to take an hour to do that. You can do that in 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour. Like you can dedicate as much time as you'd like to be as in depth as you'd like. Um, but when I think of like Bible study, I think man, we need to be digging into God's word a lot more. And I'm not saying I do that perfectly. I don't do that regularly or as regularly as I should. Um, it's something I'd like to make it daily practice. I mean, I haven't gotten there yet. I'm working on it. Um, but yeah, yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. I, I think, said a lot there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also taking a look and being like, with, with both of kind of the way you framed it and the way I framed it, I yeah. think something that we want to look at is it's understanding the text, yes. understanding God's word and how in depth you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, honestly, that's up to you. Yeah. Um, but then from that, it's, we, we both said, it. how does this apply to my life? Yeah. Um, and and that's, I, the, that's the end, right? Yeah. That, that should be the last step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we mentioned that in our How to Read Your Bible. It's, yeah. you can't just oh, we, look we have at, an episode about this. Go listen to it. Nice plug. High five. All right. Um, you, you can't just read your Bible mm-hmm. and s- skip right to how does this apply to my life? Yeah. Because, I mean, you mentioned it in that episode. You could be missing, you could be looking at the wrong thing to apply. Terrible mistake. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, look at, Try to try to understand. Yeah. I think that that's what we want to want to look at. And yeah, study God's word. I, th- I think we all need to to really look into that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Are we? No, yeah. So last thing for Bible study quickly there, John 8, 32 says, the truth shall set you free. And later in that gospel, John 17, Jesus said, he's praying to the father and he says, thy word is truth. And so the Bible, if you're struggling, if you feel lonely, depressed, anxious, if you have sin struggles, if if you're isolated, any any of the like countless struggles we go through, if you want to be freed from your tribulations, it's through the word of God that you do that. Because through the word of God, tying this again back, why do we study spiritual disciplines to grow in spiritual maturity? What is spiritual maturity to have known God? that comes through the scriptures, through prying through the ink and the pages that are there and taking in the divine realities that God has revealed to us. It is so beautiful. It is such a perfect, um, honorable thing to pursue and the truth shall set you free and the in god's word is that truth um so that's the last thing and that again i I say that because it's important and it also leads into our last spiritual discipline which is the confession of sins and i wish we had more time to talk about this we do need to wrap this up um fairly quickly because i think we've gone on for a little bit here yeah um, but I'll just read this passage from James. Do you want to give your thoughts quickly? Then I'll give my thoughts and we can yeah, wrap it up. Yeah, you, you read. All right, so John, uh, sorry, James, um, I'll, ju- I'll just read the wider passage. James 5, starting in verse 13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Mm-hmm. Um, man, there are so many things in our lives that block us from God, mm-hmm. right? Um these dark parts of ourselves that we picked up when we were like, you know, uh, John, John's episode talks about this, right? Children of the devil, by nature, children of wrath, under the power of the prince of the power of the air. Um, like we're born to Satan's kingdom and we are captives and slaves of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you pick up a lot of dark, dark stuff. And um, you don't always let that go right away when you come to Christ. Um, and so we need to be healed from that, right? We need to be healed from brokenness. We need to be, yes, healed from um, physical ailments as well, which actually can be a manifestation of spiritual ailments a lot of the time. But we, you know, whether it's bitterness that we've held on to, anger, jealousy, um, rage, um, lust, um, 
uh, practice, like just uh, occult practices that we've been involved in, sins that uh, we just refuse to let go. Um, all these different things just debilitate our spiritual lives. They hold us back from spiritual maturity. They're they're like these genetic um, anomalies in our in the DNA of our souls that stop us from growing properly as we should, and we need to be healed of that. Mm-hmm. How do we get healed from that? Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed, right? And so for me, the discipline of regularly confessing sins, Catholics, listen, Catholics eat Jesus and that's weird. I'm making a joke right now. Deal with it. Catholics eat Jesus and that's weird, but man, they they um, maybe they put too much emphasis on confession, but at least they emphasize it. Um, I, it is so easy to let that fall by the wayside, at least in the Christian circles I'm part of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're all aware of sin. We're like, hey, brother, how can I pray for you? And we vaguely mention it. But do we like regularly every day or every week sit down with people um, in wh- whom we have agreed to confess? Confess sins to one another. I was angry at my spouse the other day and I held on to that. Okay, thanks for telling me that. Let's pray for that. Um, I got drunk the other week at, um, at a, uh, a work party. Okay, thanks for telling me that. Let's pray. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been struggling with um, pornography use for years and I don't know what to do. Thank you for telling me that. Let's pray for healing. Let's set you free mm-hmm. from these, these chains, these bonds of sin that are part of your former life. They have no place where you are now. Christ has no room for the devil in his house. So don't let him in, right? Mm-hmm. Cast out those dark things and we are healed from these um, debilitations on our souls through the confession of sins, through bringing the darkness out into the light. And that's hard because the wicked things in our hearts hate the light because it exposes them, but it's only through exposing them that we can experience the life-giving presence of the light of Jesus. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I think confession of sin is very important because as you start to confess your sins, you, I mean you start to realize how imperfect you are. Mm, you start so to good. realize how yeah. much like, man, I'm actually not as perfect as I thought. And as yeah. you realize how imperfect you are and how, um, yeah, how many imperfections you have, you also get to realize how much you actually need Jesus in yeah. light of what you've done. And then you also realize the weight of the cross and what Jesus paid for on the cross because yeah. Jesus covered all of our sins. And when we confess those, they're forgiven. Yeah. That's good gospel truth, man. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll recap quickly. Why do we talk about spiritual disciplines? Why do they matter? Because spiritual disciplines lead to spiritual maturity. What is spiritual maturity? To have known God. Spiritual disciplines create structure for a relationship with God. What are spiritual disciplines that you are probably neglecting? Celebration. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice with those who have come to Christ um, and celebrate the good things God has done. Fellowship. Have a meal together. We are stronger together. It has ramifications for spiritual warfare. Um, we must not neglect to meet one another, meet with one another so that we can stir each other up to good work. Spiritual growth happens through community. Fasting, it is, it is through your body becoming aware of your soul's need for Christ. Um, fasting is on abstinence, and Jesus thought fasting was important. Evangelism, 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an answer to the hope that you believe in. Evangelism is relationship with non-believers, preaching and demonstrating the gospel. Bible study, whatever form it takes, it should be this deep contemplation and study of the word of God to mm-hmm. like mine the depths and the riches of it, and it can't just be a casual reading must be a regular deep study and the truth shall set you free and the bible is the truth thy word is truth finally confession of sins these dark things in our lives um, that we need to be healed from um, confess our sins unto one another so that you may be healed through exposing the darkness you are healed that is six spiritual disciplines man yeah that's pretty good uh yeah. whatever platform you're listening on please follow us leave a review if you are able it means so 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 much to us and see you guys next week see ya cool